0: Worst ever. Unbelievable.
1: For me to poop on!
2: Well, here it is, the first glop culture of the Biden era. I'm John Puthors in New York. With me also in New York, Rob Long. Hi, Rob.
0: John, it's a great... Day. What is the day? What do you call the day after the greatest day of democracy? Boxing, Bo- Boxing, Boxing day. day. Yeah, it's a great democracy. Day. De- 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 day. De- de- democracy Day. Democracy Right. Yes. yes.
2: And and in Washington, which uh, is how long do you think Washington's going to be an armed camp?
0: Armed camp.
2: Will it remain an armed camp? Frankly, I hope for a really long
3: time because it's wonderful for traffic. Uh, martial law is just like. Um, it makes everybody stay home, so they can really move around. At least it makes the trains run on time. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Is it?
0: Is it? A, a, isn't it a grim reminder of where we where we are? <laughs> Don't you find it? A, is it a grim milestone? No, it's not a grim
2: milestone. That's that's, Rob, the, that's it's a grim. Rob, it's a grim Rob, reminder. Our 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 democracy was tested as yes. never before.
0: That just bugs me.
2: Like, was, I don't, I'm don't, i not in favor
0: before. of what happened. I think what happened was terrible, but it wasn't like – there was not a moment, not a moment, not a second, not a nanosecond where the actual American democracy was in peril. It was ugly and nasty. It was a riot, but it's not like it, – when when people marched up and down Fifth Avenue and broke into the Nike store and stole stuff over the summer, capitalism wasn't in peril. It was just, well, you broke into the store. That's not good clean
2: that up now. I'm not sure I'm there with you, but but on. look, you know when when uh, in Easter nah, in Easter Easter 1916, right, which was the big Irish sure. revolt against right. the British, and that was the day the that Gates said a terrible beauty is born. Yeah, it was like. Twenty morons smashing some windows. I mean, it really—that was the terrible beauty. As below the, below the well, in, <laughs> retrospect, really in,
0: in retrospect, it
2: did kick off,
0: you know, seventy years of
2: terrorism. So well, it yeah, did, you could say it that. It did, but it did, but it 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 in and of itself was a pretty. I know, so it was a pretty lame. It was a pretty lame, well, I mean, can't. beautiful moment.
0: Can we all just take a breath here? I mean, ah. Everything is like so at eleven now. Still, I mean, I mean, look, they have every right to do it. But yesterday, all I did was see people say, "We," I say "Are you saved democracy?" Well, no, you, you just you, you kept the door closed. I mean, that's good.
2: Well, it was like when, the, good, when the resistance leader Amy Siskin said, <laughs> uh, "We did it, people. We deposed a dictator." It's like, yeah. no. See what happened was there was an election and and <laughs> yeah. and, and he lost, right. And uh, nobody, he, he uh, was nobody Johnson in comfort. power, nobody <laughs> in power would accede to his disgusting, psychotic, lying, cheating, slimy, filthy, low life crapola, hmm. deceitful efforts to somehow deny the realities that happened. And then he got on a plane and flew off. Yeah, without, without. Requiring that anybody—I mean, the thing when you think about it—he really was a coward because it would have made Biden much more uncomfortable to have him there. You oh know? yeah, right. It would have been a much weirder and much more discomforting moment <laughs> than Trump sitting there while at the peaceful transfer of power.
0: I would have—I would have actually sat and watched that instead of just every now and then looking up at it. Oh.
2: So anyway, so uh, we really deposed the dictator by uh, voting him out of office. There's also I mean, but there's also just the um, you know, there's
3: so much weird serendipity in all of this stuff. Like Trump is furious because he lost his Twitter account, but I, I think it is perfectly obvious to me that like if he doesn't get him if he doesn't get impeached and removed, it's because he lost his Twitter account, right? Like if he had been live tweeting throughout... out. The reaction to all of this stuff, he Uh would have gotten himself much deeper in a hole if he had his Twitter account and stayed for the inauguration and was live tweeting from the ceremony about, like, the events and stuff. And I can't believe I lost to this corpse, this guy, you know, that kind of stuff. It,
2: like the only <laughs> thing that could have made it. Oh better. man, you are making that is really sad. It's really sad. It didn't happen. Yeah, now, that you, now that you mentioned it, the idea that he would have been sitting there on live the stage, cleaning. live tweeting, literally, literally live
0: tweeting, yeah, yeah,
2: and you could see him doing it right,
3: all, live oh, on huh. camera, as huh. he's like pecking at it with his thumbs <laughs> on his thigh. It would be amazing. And uh, um, but look, I mean, it, like it is. You have to admit, it is kind of wild that his presidency began with this. Speech about American carnage on the exact same spot where his last public act was to unleash carnage on the Capitol. Yeah. and then you know, yeah. and that's where he's replaced. I mean, yeah. well, a kraken, you
2: know. a kraken was was unleashed. It just wasn't the kraken that that uh, that managed to uh, turn away the results right. of the Georgia uh, election. Um, Best thing about this is if you take the topple the dictator thing seriously, the person who saved
3: democracy, saved the republic, is Mike Pence. Right. Which no one, you know, except for George W. Bush, who apparently, you know, believed that. Uh, I think someone. Oh, no, no. He told that to Clyburn about getting. Yeah, he
2: he called James Clyburn the savior. He said, according to Clyburn, the congressman from South Carolina, that Clyburn's endorsement of Biden. Made basically meant that Biden won the election because otherwise Bernie Sanders, I guess, would have been the nominee or something like that, and therefore there's no way that Trump wouldn't have won the election. And so you are the savior of this day," said uh, said George W. <laughs> Bush. Too. There were a lot of saviors. There
3: is truth to that, but I mean, it's there were a different.
2: lot of saviors um, um,
0: yesterday. A lot of people claiming all sorts of. <laughs> Fantastic things, which is you're allowed to do because like the winners get to claim anything they want. So that's that's uh, and the I'm losers just gotta yeah. suck it up. They yeah. just gotta suck yeah. it up. I enjoyed watching Melania get on the plane in her winter outfit like which is like you know she solved the problem that everybody has when you go to leave a cold place to go to a warm place like now you got all this stuff you got your sweater you came to the airport in your big old overcoat and all that stuff and you're not gonna have to you're not gonna need it for another two weeks but she got on the plane and her big old stuff and then she got off the plane and she's like looks like she's in a uh, in a in one of those slim errands photographs for people at palm beach you know she looks really great like she's She's done. Yeah, like she's here and now.
2: 60, and sixty years—that was a dress that would not have been out of place at a happening in Beverly Hills in 1967. <laughs> that was the other great thing about that. that you dress. speak from First experience. Person? Yeah. Uh, what well, is that line? The
0: line from uh, v- v- *Return of the Valley of the Dolls* where. The guy, like, runs through his house, and they're having some kind of hippie party, and he goes, it's my happening, and it really freaks me out. This
3: is my happening, and it freaks me out.
2: It really freaks me out.
0: Right.
3: Um, (laughs) I think, though, like, I think I'm on record as being fairly critical of all things Trump and whatnot, Um, and I find, like, right-wing obsession about liberal media bias to be a friggin' cul-de-sac, but. All of these pieces that emerged after the inaugural about how fashion finally returns to Washington with Jill Biden and, you know, these people. I mean, say what you will about Melania. She was a sharp dresser. She looked good. Um, And she got, I mean, like, I I have more sympathy for Melania than almost anybody in Trump orbit. Um, Because she clearly thought that she was going to get at least a little Jackie O kind of vibe. And didn't from anybody that she had probably actually cared about.
2: Uh, the, the the great moment uh, in yesterday. There were two great moments of Melania Melania's final day. The first was when uh, Trump said, "Do you want to come up and say something at the farewell?" At, at uh, <laughs> yes, I guess whatever. we're now supposed to call it Joint Base Andrews. Why? I guess we no longer call it Andrews Air Force Base, but it's I now called Joint Base because it's part also part of the Space Force. it's either part of the Space Force or it's part of the Coast Guard. I mean, who knows? You know, Part of the Merchant Marine. I don't know. Anyway, it's Joint Base Andrews now. So he's like, Melania, come up and say a few words. And I swear to you, I texted you guys and I told you this, like, she sounded like Ava Gabor in Green Acres. It was like she was saying, and now, Mr. Drucker, can you make hotcakes for my Oliver? (laughs) I mean, that was sort of what she said. And then she got off the plane in that Beautiful '60s dress, fantastic. Yeah, they walk down the stairs, Yep. and at she, some point, somebody says something yeah. to and he stops to talk to the crowd. And she's like, "No more, she's like five inches. In. I'm out. like, yeah. Yeah. I am never yeah. talking yeah. to you again. I'm not talking to these people. I'm not talking to you." Well, I think it's contractual, you know. Huh? That goodbye and good luck to you. Um, so well, he'll be back uh, in some
0: form. I like that. I'll back we'll be in back some in some form. form. Yeah.
2: Like a, a corporeal
3: Yeah, no. I like it. it's like, you know, what as a dragon? As a Ryan you know, as a unicorn?
1: What
0: <laughs> do <word in some> you <laughs> right. right. I'll you you uh, You'll hear me in the in the wind as it whispers through the elms. <laughs> he's like one of the he's like one of the yeah. Wonder Twins.
2: it's yeah. in
3: the form of an ice slide. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Or Randall flag. Anyway, uh, speaking of Randall Flagg, um, has anyone watched The Stand on CBS? I guess you. I, I, it's uh, it's um, Can I just say because I don't think you probably watched it. I have, so I there's a new version of Stephen King's no, The Stand. I know, no, no, but how, how many? I, don't know why I brought the, the, the book. Yeah,
3: I'm like 600 pages into Ah. it or something. And so I wanted to wait. Okay. Anyway, so anyway,
2: but you're thinking
0: about about a third. The Stephen King book. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, but you know, this is one of the most interesting. So Stephen King wrote the stand, and his editor said, We have to to cut 500 pages out of it. There is no way, technically, that we can produce a single volume at the length that you have written this. They don't make enough of that sticky gum. Right. That's right. They couldn't, they couldn't buy the book, and they cut it, and then when he got really rich on technology, yeah, then they then they published it at the longer length, and I am an enormous admirer of The Stand, which I think is the greatest pulp novel ever written in English, um, but it really didn't need to be the longer version, so I don't know if you're reading the longer version or the shorter version, Jonah. So it's but-
3: funny you mention this, so I get confused. I think I'm, I'm sitting there, and there's just some weird stuff going on about like doesn't quite make sense. I mean, I don't mean like crazy, you know, you know, supernatural stuff. I mean like references to stuff that is supposed to be in nineteen ninety that does not work at all for nineteen ninety and a lot of a lot of like racial stuff that doesn't work for nineteen ninety. And so I go and I actually look at the forward thing, and it turns out that I have got the new unabridged version where they moved it from nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety. And they added all the crap that they had cut out, making it even longer.
2: And I think it's a worse book, to be honest. Again, I'm not done with it. It's a much, it's a much worse book, I think. And 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 as I, you know, the interesting thing is I don't know who his editor was, but whoever his editor was, was a great editor because uh, because he actually found uh, extraneousness. He he was right to cut it, not just for technological reasons, but for actual. Uh, literary reasons whatever anyway but this new version on cbs all access um made after the 1994 miniseries with gary sinise uh and molly ringwald and various other which was which was terrific or mostly terrific um this thing is a disaster it is it does it makes this enormous mistake which is that it, it it shatters the timeline and it tells it sort of like lost, where you have each episode focuses on a different character and then it flashes backwards and forwards. Well, in they got to do something different, right? They have to, they can't, it can't just be, we're going to do it
0: again and then just again. No, it has to be, oh, here's ours. twist. What? Why not?
2: Why, why can't they just do it? Then why do it? Well but the twist is terrible. it doesn't work, is what well, I'm well, saying. That, that's so often the first the case. episode the first episode of the stand focuses on the nerdy villain, how uh, Harold Lauder. Is the central character yeah. of the first yeah. episode who I is can not hear the meeting. A central character, and I mean, he's a central character in the book. But he is anyway. It's a bizarre. Did you ever see
0: the the uh, Al Pacino's weird, crazy documentary he did about his production of Richard the Third? Oh yeah, looking for for Richard Richard, or something. It's fantastic in his badness. First of all, he's not very good as Richard, but also like there's a half the cast is English, right? And they're all trained so the English way. Like, well, I'm going to say these lines quite quickly, and uh, I'm going to turn downstage into the spot, my baby spot, and I'm going to turn. Right, and I'm gonna walk, and the other half are Americans. You're like, I really want to know what she's like. What's in her? Why? <laughs> and there's the great scene of Richard the Third is where the evil Richard the Third is walking, and he's he's marching at a funeral, and his his I guess a sister in law, Anne. Uh, he woos her, and. Uh, uh, while her husband, born, uh, literally before her husband, is entombed and woos her and wins her. And that's how evil he is. He's so good. And the actress playing Anna, I forget who it was, said, You know, I'm not sure, like, does she really. I think she's got a, her own. I don't think she really does fall in love with him. I, and like, everybody's like, and Pacino's, yes, and she's got some really interesting insight. I think she. Blah, blah, blah. And all these people saying No, 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 darling. She has to fall in love with him. Otherwise, you don't have a fifth act. And, like, all that stuff. And I it's feel like Winona. that. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just horrible. It's it's just, no, finish the play, you moron! Just keep reading. Actually, she does, and right. it's bad. Yeah, yeah. and if that's the kind of pitch meeting you'd say, like, I actually think the stand. I mean, I read all the. Did you read the long version? It said 700 pages. And is there, I think it's the weird, creepy villain that really only comes on for two pages. He's the, he's the center in 2020 America. I'm sure was the pitch.
2: I don't know. Anyway, what, what's funny is if you're actually creating, a, uh, you're, you're like making, uh, you're, vi- you're visualizing a novel that posits that there is a global pandemic and it hits. And then, uh, you know, 99% of the world dies and these basically few hundred people escape right. and you need to portray the decline of the world, the arrival of the death. And then everything that happens afterward, and what you do is you shatter the timeline and focus on the people rather than yeah. this, like, epic event. Um, you are not telling it well, and it's very, very confusing, uh, and you can't figure out what's happening. Anyway, so it's bad, and you don't need to watch it. That's my that's my uh, advice to you. I just heard a friend of
0: mine uh, – he says he wasn't part of this, but I think he was. He pitched this thing; it's a kind of a science fiction thing, and it was a little bit based on um, uh, the leftovers, you know, that terrible HBO show. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he they, and of course they're so in their own bubble, they they forget. So they go into the meeting and like, and we're trying to tell the story a lot, though a lot. Like the people, like the leftovers, and the person these pictures. Oh my god, I hated that show. That was terrible. <laughs> but but we're not doing it like them.
2: <laughs> I, mean, I
0: was just like, wait. <laughs> You didn't let me finish. We're trying to not do that. That wasn't clear.
2: Um. Uh. Okay, so guys, I I, I, I get a question, to, John. I need to I a do, question, um, John. Yeah. Yes.
0: What What do you do when your when your
2: cat poops in the house? <laughs> well. Thank you for asking, Rob. Yeah. Because I you know uh, Jonah. First of all, you don't have a cat. I understand, it's it's Jonah. It's big, a bigger you are, problem. You are a proud cat person. You uh-huh. you live. You 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 own a cat, although you uh, you, you try to claim that it's your wife's cat, don't that's you? Two cats. We have Gracie,
3: the good cat, and we have Ralph, my wife's cat.
2: Okay, <laughs> and uh, and and of course, there's Fafoon, uh your that's mom's cat. Mom's side, yeah, that's right. Okay, so um, you you love your cat, right? But that oh, yeah. doesn't mean I, I believe that doesn't mean I don't have a cat. So, but that doesn't mean you love having a litter box in your home. Would that be correct, Jonah? You don't like that? That is correct. Litter box cleaning, litter boxes is the bane of my okay, existence. Okay, well, Jonah, I'm happy. I am okay. I'm happy to inform you that you should become a member of the kitty poo club because the kitty poo club takes care of the more unpleasant parts of cat ownership so you can just get back to loving that furry friend kitty poo club is an all-in-one litter box solution designed to be convenient for you every month kitty poo club delivers an affordable high quality recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice, the boxes are leak-proof, eco-friendly, and have a fun design for every season. When the month is up, just recycle the box, and Kitty Poo Club will automatically deliver a new one to you. No changing used litter, no more cleaning of the box. You can customize your order based on how many cats you have and what type of litter they prefer. Like I, I would probably use shredded. Copies of Jacobin magazine, uh, but you know if that would work. But that would just just be me. And it has Kitty Poo Club has a no risk guarantee, so you can easily customize or cancel anytime. So give yourself the gift that keeps on giving, Rob. Keeps on giving the whole year. Yeah, yeah. I mean a Kitty Poo Club subscription. In fact, I think I should give you a gift subscription, even though you don't have a cat. Well, but I I do I do poop. <laughs> you you poop, and I think pooping on you know Jack of magazine thing. might might be something <laughs> that would be a useful, wait statement so of can purpose. You just, can, can I say like this actually?
0: What I what I love about I mean I do not I'm not a cat person, but I do I've always found that kind of unusual. The people who are like wow you love your cat. I mean although I pick up after my dog, so it's not that weird, right? But uh, I, I do like that this does seem like an innovation. Why are we doing the bag and, you know, think, we'll just send you the box and we can do that now. That's I think that's brilliant, right? Yes. So I, uh, I, I applaud them.
3: Okay. I was going to volunteer to do this ad because I've done it on my, you know, own non-niche podcast. Um and, but I really wanted to hear John have to read about it because he's so disgusted well, by the idea of so having animals right. on their own. So, um, but, so, well, I'm I, happy
2: to tell you, Jonah, that right now, right yeah. now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% oh. off your first order when you set up autoship by going to kittypooclub.com and entering promo code GLOP. Just go to kittypooclub.com and no, I am not going to spell it. I am not going why? to spell K I T
0: T Y P O O C L U B dot com. There you go. And why are you program- why, why, coming at you? Why? What's wh- what is what about this is, is like weirdly,
2: awkwardly uncomfortable for you? I am the editor of one of the most prestigious <laughs> 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 In American why? history. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs>
0: Okay, it's just <laughs> so your sense of like I'm dignif- too dignified
2: to I, talk about poop. I have an institutional obligation to protect Commentary Magazine uh-huh. Uh-huh. From, uh, from the reputational harm <laughs> that my words might conceivably right. from cause. Solvency. So, from, yeah, I okay. go. So, Right. to kittypooclub.com and enter promo code glob to get 20% off when you set up auto ship that's kittypooclub.com and don't forget to enter promo code glob at yeah. checkout thanks to this new sponsor for sponsoring yeah. the glob podcast Can I,
0: but it does bring up a cultural thing if unless everybody has another topic i was i'm going to bring this up that we do seem to be entering a phase of I've noticed it, maybe just because of the the websites I go to or whatever, that on my Instagram there are more um, poop-related gastrointestinal bowel health gut bacteria – uh, products available now on TV and on every where you you there's one that you 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 they, 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 the headlines says, send us your poop they want you to like to send them a specimen and then they'll tell you well you know what you need you need more zinc or more of the, the probiotics or something and uh, I, I'm and I, I I'm vaguely discomforted by it but I'm also kind of thinking like well yeah what are we so what Rob, are we so squeamish about I
3: think a story about how I once. I did a Fox hit with a big Democratic uh, speechwriter who was now in the private sector. This was years ago. And they had a big meeting with um, a potential client, Fortune Fortune 50 kind of client, Mm -hmm. and big conference table. Everybody's there, and Internet's still on the newer side back then. And the CEO of this potential client, um, huge contract for them. He says, you know, I got a question. You know, it's like, it's weird. What is up with all of these erectile dysfunction ads? <laughs> Every site I go to, I see more and more of these ads. And also, penis yeah. like, enlargement ads. They just follow me everywhere. What What's going on?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> there's like, an algorithm No make.
3: one in the room could say, oh, that's because mm-hmm. the way, like, Google Ads yeah. works. Yeah. They go to your search directory, and then they feed you the stuff that they think that you want. So it could be that you've been like googling yogurt that makes you poop so much that the internet is just giving you what you want to want okay. uh,
0: I understand I, I i'm not I'm not denying that I'm just saying that i i <laughs> I, I think it's we I think it's actually even even beyond my my creepy search history uh it it is something in the that it's the they call it functional medicine, right? I'm a fun I'm functional medicine, and that just means the functions you have, and we only really only have like one or well, two functions, you, think, you know.
2: What do you think the ads that follow Army Hammer around are? Now that we know that Army Hammer, the uh, uh, star of the Lone Ranger and various other things, apparently likes to tell uh, the women that he dates that he wants to barbecue them and eat them. So like, does that mean that his search history involves like there are actual sites on how to cook human beings and and that sort of thing? I mean that that's that's what that's where my my brain goes to is like I you know I every now and then that stuff that Fortune fifty guy uh, that, that I would get these emails from. Readers of commentary saying your advertising is disgusting. Yeah, right. <laughs> your ad is just absolutely disgusting. Russian brides mm-hmm. asking <laughs> you're, you're like prostituting out Russian and Philippine women for brides and like and yeah. And then basically, uh, you know, the only thing at that point you have to say uh, we don't that those are Google ads. They're served up to. Because right. they seem to match your interests, not ours, that kind of thing. So I, this is like a, every right. time I read some story about someone's peccadillo, my then thought goes to, well, they, they must get some pretty interesting. Well, Google do you know remember that story the, of the guy who? This is
0: early in the days of Twitter. The guy who convinced his elderly father that Twitter was Google. And that whatever you're searching for, you should just put into the Twitter box. And so these fathers start tweeting things like, you know, home finance, refi- home refi, uh, uh, actual uh, is what was uh, James Garner half black? <laughs> like something. And then, and then there was a period where they're all kind of sitting around laughing. And then there's, uh, there's like Katie Couric, Katie Couric. Sweater. <laughs> oh no. Katie Couric swimsuit. Like, okay,
2: shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> Call your dad. Now I I will now confess that I have not watched very much Fox in the last five or six years, with the exception of Brett Bear show. Um, but I, I do get the sense, uh, since we were talking about bodily functions and stuff, that um apparently the age of the self lubricating catheter has passed. Sure. Am I am I wrong? Like, are there significantly fewer self-lubricating catheter ads than there used to be? Because every time I saw one of those ads and I would laugh and then I would actually think about what that ad was offering and the experience of the catheterization and then it's... Apparently, wonderful emendation of the self lubrication, and then I would say, so why time. is this happening to me in America that I have to see these ads? But I, I gather there is that over. Are there no more? You know, and
3: I don't watch a lot of Fox either, um, but um, I have not seen. Um, I haven't seen one a while. Any of those? I've seen fewer gold ads too, and I haven't seen ads for the American in a while.
2: No, I don't think well, the The best thing about the self lubricating catheter ad is that it would always follow the ad for the villages. So I guess the right. whole point was, if you go to the villages and you buy a, a home in the villages, the number of sheer number of orders of packages from the self lubricating catheter company must dwarf yeah. all hey, other hey, packages. I think that's my
0: self-lubricating catheter. I don't have your name on it. I just need one now is all I know. Well, we try to keep the – we're just trying to use the one that's ours. That's the thing. So just don't – can I just go back to food for one minute? Because I did go years ago to a a functional medical person. And, uh, and she said, oh, you know, you, you know, because I had I thought I was having a weird allergies, so she did this weird blood test for me. And she said, yeah, you, you, you probably should, like, uh, dial down on, like, niacin or something. So it's kind of turning a little red, right? And, uh, and then she said, but, you know, we could really, really, there's one way to really know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. Well, oh, we can just, you know, do a, do a stool sample. And then she gave me a box, which is a kit in which you do this. And I have to tell you, the box has everything you need to do this effortless, as effortless. I mean, not effortlessly. <laughs> yeah, not effortless, but to do. It. And I had this box: rubber gloves, a little paper tray, like, 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 it take it. Like, you know what? You ever get a Nathan's hot dog? It's in the same tray, right? Uh-huh. And then, and then other other accoutrements and little <laughs> metal, a little. I mean, wooden, like when you go to this ice cream store and they go, "Hey, can I can't. is it?" Is that rum? Can I have a taste of that? that's the spoon they give you a bunch of those and then little vials with different liquids you put you you put your samples in, and I was convinced that I was I was going to do this and uh and and I, I thought oh, I I can't do it at home, because if some I don't know why but if something goes horribly wrong, I don't want well, it to be home so I had to wait. Till I went
2: to a hotel. I wait till I was I I was no, going to be such a mistake. Why? Doesn't because like, you should have just gone to Danny Thomas's house. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Danny okay. Thomas's house, and uh, and uh, and uh, and, uh, and uh, visited his coffee table. And if none right. of you glass uh, coffee, and if none of you knows what I'm talking about, I I'm sorry, I'm defaming the late Danny Thomas. But it is the one of the greatest of all Hollywood stories. I would say Danny Thomas's. Um, it's not really a story, by the way. Uh, well, you know. Anyway. Uh, that he, I mean, like, could have made great use of that stool sample uh, package is what I'm saying. Uh, yes, Jonah. Um, so I
3: I want on the record that that Rob, like moving a conversational corpse, dragged <laughs> pooping back in when we were free of it. Okay. Oh no, you never free of it, it. That's my point. But, but since. Since he since he brought it up, you guys have watched the YouTube video about George Brett describing the baseball player, describing to the younger players how two three times a year he craps his pants and and going, oh, it is like in what what context? Like, like on the field. Oh, I like, see. Like, they're sitting there, like, a batting practice, or like, or whatever, and he's, like, they're all stretching. It's like, it's out of, like, one of, like, the 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 naked gun movies. I was in Vegas a couple years ago. Just an honest god true story. I staying at the Bellagio. I went over to Mirage for dinner, met some friends of mine over there. Went to Kokomo's, so a great little steakhouse. The guy brings out some fresh crab
1: legs. just came in. I got to give them to you
3: guys. I'm eating them. Then we go play gamble a little bit. So I had a tea time early in the morning. So I said, look, I got to get going. I'm walking back to the hotel. I get three quarters of the way out of the lobby. And all of a sudden I go, oh, f-. and I'm standing here like this. I got my butt pinched. So I'm, I'm f- I can't move all of a sudden, you know, felt all right. I went just like this. <sighs> Water. I had some food poisoning from the crabs. You think it's mate It's fake. And it's not. And he goes on. It is. I have never, ever sent that video to somebody where they didn't laugh until they hurt themselves. Laugh uh, until they, I, will they, now, they,
2: I will now, they, I will now, I will until now they Brett. Right.
3: I'm almost going uh, to say we should pause the podcast, all go watch it, and come back <laughs> and then discuss it, but probably shouldn't do that. So.
2: Um. Well, before we go on
0: to... It's a very elevated to podcast. To Are you proud of yourself, Mr. Editor of the Big Thing, whatever you think you're the big editor of now? I don't to talk like, about cornhole. <laughs> well, <laughs> well you're, you're not
2: right. You, okay. <laughs> What's important given our discussion of things about which people are very neurotic. Well yeah. And right. often you may right. have fetishes and things. That's why I want to talk to you about our next sponsor, BetterHelp. Oh my god. We just did a sponsor and talked about that sponsor and now we're wow, that this this podcast is not good value. <laughs> it's a, there you go. So is there something interfering with your happiness or is something preventing you from achieving your goals? Better help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available in many areas service available for clients worldwide you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor you'll get timely and thoughtful responses plus you can schedule weekly video phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy better help this committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the ex- help of an experienced professional. And our thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the GLOP. Podcast. Okay, I, went, and I watched the yeah. video. Yes, I went. You did.
0: I, I did. Yes. they're all. So you didn't. I, I did. They're, they're stretching. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's and he, he, he's he's proud of it because oh, he went out and, I had, went, out and had a, he went out and last night. Had a great meal, and it was really just the, the car ride home that took too long for him. Anyway, yeah, I don't want. to about, don't about how. Spoiler he, alert! I don't want to do that. Laid down
2: a beautiful double tapered. You know what? <laughs> I didn't get that far. Okay, Can I yeah, just say that answer. the important thing about uh, the important thing about George Brett <laughs> is that uh, he does not need a licensed professional therapist because he's perfectly comfortable and happy, right? With right. his uh, coprophilic uh, not behavior, it's
0: just, it's just not filiophilia. Well, it's an acknowledgement that it's a hum that is a universal human experience, and we're ashamed of this thing that the most universal thing we could be ashamed of. Now part it's of that is not coprophagic. Yeah, no, it's not not well, I didn't say no, coprophagic. I said coprophilic. I, mean. I literally
2: said copaghagh. You're
0: you're turning you I are neuroticizing this behavior, which I think is really fascinating, and something we'll have to talk about in the next session. But it is it is it is not neurotic.
2: To <laughs> I accept that it was neurotic. That's what I just you said. You are I neuroticizing it by saying but
0: it's neither phobic nor phagic nor filiac. it's simply an acceptance of this universal thing you're trying to turn it into some kind of weird well you must have some kind of weird attitude no my friend that is projection you've got weird things about poop and it came out in the in the in the spot that you read and everyone heard it and this is something that we need to discuss in session so um division. I don't know so if wait, wait, wait,
3: wait, it could be years before we come back to some of this <laughs> stuff. So, I mean like we gotta own it. Um, uh I reminded, you know, so when I was working on my underrated second book, Tyranny of Cliches, I did all this stuff about Herbert Spencer being uh the, the famous nineteenth century sociologist who um social scientist who was reviled by progressives and, and whatnot. And I found a in a serious journal um a freudian analysis of herbert spencer i'm not making this up i'm not actually i found a quote from it um and i actually and that tried to explain herbert spencer who was like a radical libertarian tried to explain his entire worldview through um the fact that uh he was frozen in the oral and anal stages of his development as a child. And so this is from the 1968 summer issue of the journal Victorian Studies, Hmm. in which Richard L. Schoenwald wrote, um, and I'll read you from the Weekly Weekly Standard article I wrote about it. Schoenwald concluded that Spencer's self-esteem had been undermined hopelessly in the oral and anal stages of his development. He could commit himself only to paper, not to a woman. As a baby, Spencer rejoiced in his ability to, quote, create excrement, unquote. He never forgave his parents' efforts at toilet training, which revoked, quote, the anal freedom in which he had gloried. This, quote, fearful attack from behind, unquote, left permanent scars, which is why, for example, Spencer would one day oppose public sanitation regulation because he saw, quote, in sanitary reform an attack on his magical anal producing powers. Him too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I when is the conversation of this
0: podcast going to steer me anywhere not, even well, in the outskirts I, of town of this stuff? have. So, can I share just a one? I mean, not personal, but another insight I have. Have you ever? Uh, have you ever been to Germany? I mean, people have gone to Germany, and there is a certain quality to a German or Germanic or German manufactured toilet. In which there it is. There's a ledge. Have we talked about this already? There's a ledge. It doesn't go into the water the way you know right. decent Americans do it. There's a ledge there, and when you say why is the ledge there, they the German response and a German accent is so it can be inspected. It's easier it to inspect why. it, huh. and so because they know. like to. That's a sign that they, they want to look at it. Uh, and in fact, an early uh, German uh child raising sort of post psychoanalytic era uh manuals they would say when you change a child's diaper hold the diaper open so the child can see it uh like a like a like like it's like a, a, an engagement ring i guess um and that the child then will understand what's happening so this is deep stuff deep shit as we said
2: okay can i can i tell you one story that in 1998 Oh,
0: come on, the John. American
2: I think we talked enough about that. <laughs> the American right. Enterprise Institute uh, and uh, uh, I believe Radio Free Europe maybe, I don't know, uh, ran a conference. There was a gigantic security conference in Istanbul, Turkey, run yeah. by John O'Sullivan, just <laughs> recently the editor of National Review, and AEI, and there were hundreds of people there, and I was there. Uh, Paul Johnson was there, and Andrew Neil was there. Yeah. Every it was hundreds of people, and it was in Istanbul because the Turks were desperately trying to get into the European Union, as as you may remember. So this was the Turkish military. Uh, basically, trying to make a case to liberals and neo whatever, sort of like classical liberals and neocons, that they should be led into the EU, and so they basically paid for this massive conference. Right, and we all go. We stay at the Four Seasons in Istanbul, which is oh, beautiful. Gorgeous. It's one okay, Former and Christmas. then we and the first night we go to the defense ministry for a very elaborate, beautiful cocktail reception. You know in this magnificent old palace and, you know, there's or dirt drinks, you know, it's mm-hmm. all as lavish as you can possibly get. And then at some point I needed to use the facilities. And so I go into the bathroom. You mean like the fact? <laughs> yes. No, I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> I go into the bathroom at the defense ministry right. of the nation of Turkey. in uh, it's this magnificent public setting And I opened the door to the stall and there is a hole in the ground. Because this was nineteen ninety eight and they had yet to install toilets in the Ministry of Defense of Turkey. Now the Four Seasons Hotel had toilets, but as you as our listeners may know, in Europe until I don't know, nineteen ninety or something, most many countries did not use toilets. They had holes in the floor. And footprints. them
3: to Turkish toilets. Yeah, yeah. Still, yeah. Anyway,
2: so uh so I waited until mm-hmm. I could get back to my token. My to daughter who went in to Didn't pull a Georgia yeah. bread,
1: huh?
3: Yeah. My daughter <laughs> didn't went. Yes. Went to India on what you know we used to call a teen tour kind of thing, where it was a you know a, a learning thing, whatever. Right. So went to India and Nepal. Love Nepal. Will never go voluntarily back to India again, largely because of her experience with toilets in with in in India. Well, not just squatting, but just the general hygiene. Oh, in of general, yeah, yeah. The, like I, I, like there was a famous story from my daughter was young about a particularly horrible gas station bathroom that she had to use, and I say, okay, on a you know, like, how many of the Indian bathrooms were worse than that one? She was like about eighty five percent, and uh, and and a big chunk of them were Turkish toilets, or hole hole in the ground. Yeah, so, you was know,
0: like, actually kind of cleaner. Where but...
3: Paul Krugman files his column.
0: <laughs> yeah. By the way, so I, now I'm going to accept this uh, this segue that you just uh-huh. you just gave to us, so we can maybe get off the pot of humor a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, did you uh, see the Paul Krugman tweets yesterday during the inauguration? No. It, uh, the oh, inauguration the was playing, know. Um, you know, a series of patriotic songs. I mean, the, the band, the Marine band, playing a series of patriotic songs, including, uh, you know, the pomp and circumstance stuff, and also "My Country Tis of Thee." Which is a familiar tune to people around the world. To patriots. And to patriots. In Great Britain, my country, the, the melody, my country, Tisavi, is actually God Save the Queen. Yes. Um, but I guess Krugman didn't know that. And then he tweeted, Band playing God Save the King? Not exactly appropriate. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, he, he, he posted this Aha, forgot there are Americanized lyrics. I guess I spent too much time over there over the years.
2: Good heavens. <laughs> Which is um,
0: exactly the same energy as Hilaria Baldwin saying, How do you say this in English? Oh, cucumber. It's precisely <laughs> the same thing.
2: Rob, as a as a person in show business, I need to ask you, I asked Megan McCain this uh, yesterday on our on our podcast. Um so uh Lady Gaga, mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez, and Garth Brooks all yeah. performed at the inaugural. Right. I would say that of the three of them, Lady Gaga is the biggest star. Yes. Okay. Although Garth Brooks is the best-selling solo yeah. artist in the history of records, but nonetheless, yeah, he hasn't really recorded in twelve years. Okay. Gaga opened for them. I. This is not right. This is a. This is a.
0: Okay. Yes, I understand what you're saying. That is technically true in the sense that she went first, and yet, if you were Gaga or you're anybody, think about you're like, well. The material matters. She sang the anthem. She so there's only one number, and that's the anthem, and she sang it. So she kind of – I would say it's like a, not a small part. It's like the cameo. I'd say she came in, she came out, she left, and she was on her plane back to you know uh, Palm Springs or Vegas to the valley. Before Jennifer Lopez was even in the green room. like, And I her. bet you she changed clothes on the flight too, like Melania.
2: Oh, well, she, she, did she too. should have changed clothes before she came out. She was wearing the most psychotic skirt I've ever seen. But she was good. She, was, she good. was fantastic. The weird thing I thought was that I, I
0: was disappointed in Garth Brooks. I feel like, you know, it's a big day. Wear a tie.
2: I, mm-hmm. I was amused by the fact that Garth Brooks said – so there's this crowd, the socially distanced crowd in the stand. Not very many people. Maybe there were like a couple hundred at most. All the, like, did you notice that like, Kamala Harris was sitting there and she like, had a side table because, like, they had the Bible. little tables and stuff, but because they were spread. So far apart that they could yeah. each, like, have a little coffee table. Uh, uh, like it's like a, a Michelin three-star restaurant.
0: Exactly. Like <laughs> right. it, one of the one of the ways you get your third star is that you, like, the tables are well-spaced. And the ladies have a little Perfect. stool next to their seat where they can put their purse.
2: Exactly. So so, uh, Garth Brooks then sings Amazing Grace, right? He does it, uh, it uh, a cappella. And then he says, okay, I want everybody to sing along with me. No one sang along, and uh, they did. But you see, they all they weren't mic'd, and they all had masks. So he's going amazing. Grace, they're going. (laughs) It's kind of weird, sort of moaning sound from the crowd. It didn't occur to Garth that maybe you don't want people to sing along when their mouths are hidden behind masks. Like it was a bad. I think that's a bit from
3: his
0: concert, you know, or
3: he Uh, does that I think he also probably was hoping that, since he also has people at home to do that, that no one would notice that the singing on
0: the stage wasn't very good. It's also a bad thing in general to ask the people on that stage yesterday who are all—I think the average age is 103. Yeah, they're having a hard time breathing anyway to like belt out a number with a mask. I mean, I'm surprised that we didn't have some, you know, some line of succession issues come up yesterday just from that, from the singing. So I'm not uh, really, I
3: I got in a lot of trouble yesterday for not being sufficiently loyal and celebratory of that poem. And we got into a big argument about it on the Dispatch podcast about it. Um, you did?
0: What, what, yeah. was the, what was your point? What was their point?
3: I was a cold-hearted bastard. I think she was like radiant and very impressive and a very attractive mm-hmm. young lady and all that kind of stuff. And, um, But Sarah Isger, David French, and David French very much liked the poem, basically because if you yeah, but have, David like, French David
2: French likes DC. Uh, yeah, and uh,
3: he, he this point. He said
2: he is a and fan. his taste men. is horrible. That poem was a ludicrous disaster spoken Wait, by twenty two year old Amanda oh, Gorman. Yeah, that one last night. Okay, yes, Amanda Gorman, twenty two years old, and seeming like she was seventeen, and the whole notion that she should have been standing there where Robert Frost once stood reading the poem at the 1961 inauguration here we are six, just to just to make clear the level of american cultural decline that it goes from Robert Frost to Amanda Gorman in 60 years yeah, is a yeah. is a very telling indicator of yeah I, mean, I, I didn't hate are.
3: it as much as you do but i didn't i just i was unmoved by it and i i, I admit i have very pedestrian views about poetry i like Rhyming, iambic pentameter, these kinds of things. Oh, please! Um, but I agree. what We were saying before we started recording, I do think it's fair to say it was better than the Mile
2: Angelou thing. Well, yeah. Maya Angelou's uh, poem, which which uh, I believe sold five million copies. In oh, a yeah, paper, this
0: one's going to sell some money. Yeah, yeah,
3: this will. This will sell. One, her two books are number one and number two on Amazon right now. I, I, so I,
0: Amanda Gorman went to uh, there. The, 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 uh, there's a very groovy. Very expensive, very sort of progressive, but incredibly hippified uh, private school in L.A. called Crossroads. Crossroads, and the Crossroads School, doctor. yeah, it's crazy left wing, crazy, crazy, crazy. Like you, you, like the children do like a weird vision quest stuff. It's insane. But all, all the kids are really, really rich, and they all go to fancy schools, fancy colleges. It for some, it was not crazy enough. So uh, the, there was a group from Crossroads that broke off and formed a school just down the street called New Roads. That's even been more bananas. And, uh, and Amanda Gorman's mom teaches at New Roads, and she went to New Roads. And that was a very New Roads poem. That's all I'll say. That's, so that's uh, just to – I'm, I'm trying to
3: use opportunities to get these things in. One of my favorite scenes from The Simpsons – is when there's at a book f- the, the Springfield Book Fair, Maya Angelou is on a p- panel with Tom Clancy and Amy Tan, and Kent, <laughs> Kent Brockman is moderating. All right, uh, does anyone have a question for our panel that's not about how much money they make?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm a techno-thriller junkie, and I'd like to know, is the B-2 bomber more detectable when it rains? Oh, what do you think, Tom Clancy? Well, the B-2. No, 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 I was asking Maya Angelou. Oh.
1: The ebony fighter awakens, dappled with the dewy beads of morn. Maya Angelou is black? It is a Mach 5 child, forever bound to suckle from the shriveled breast of Congress.
2: Oh, Maya, you're a national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that's better? That parody to a better poem than Maya Angelou's On Wings of Mourning, or whatever the hell it was called, which still has my favorite line in all of Bad Dog Girl. Which is when she's invoking everybody who is getting up in the morning to do there, to be around in the morning that is represented by Bill Clinton's coming presidency that will involve interns on their knees in the Oval Office. And she says, you know, I rise, we rise, the priest, the rabbi, the sheik. Uh, Is it sheik? Sheik. Sheik as in
0: as chic. in C H I K C H I C, like the priest, yeah. the rabbi, all the of the sheik people, like
3: the
2: very, the very, very, the very sheep. Sheep. Yeah. yeah, no, she <laughs> she she meant imam or whatever imam. it was she would have uh, meant, but it needed word. to rhyme with creek or physique or bleak or whatever horrible one syllable word had preceded it, because unlike Gorman, uh, there was rhyming in the Maya Angelou uh, poem, the uh, rock uh, that I'm sure, the rock, the river. <laughs> That was always the rock, the scissors, the paper. I rise. I rise. rise. Okay. I know why the the cage bird is remaindered, is what I would say. (laughs) Um, Um, What do you think's in the letter, the note? Oh. Oh. um, Well, Biden said that the note was very gracious. Uh. He said, I believe he said yeah. generous or gracious, gracious or something like that. So, something like that, yeah. So, it's I guess it doesn't say, you know, you're a loser, a head of a crime family, and you and your son should go to jail. Um, and it was generous. Yeah. Right. Or it might, and it might, be, it might just be a hilarious
0: uh, prank yeah. that Biden, or maybe I didn't uh, read it. That's know. very generous. They folded it up. Uh, where was where it? Do, you do it we was? know where it was? I think it was in the bathroom. I think I know where it was. I think it was roll. I think it was in the bathroom. I think it was in the toilet roll for the presidential bathroom. Just un- so when you uptake, you reach for the roll, it cumbles okay. out.
2: Okay, I think I think.
0: I mean, I think that's where Trump wrote it. I think they took a Bowie knife and stabbed it
2: <laughs> oh, in into the hair. Vincent Peel uh, painting. Okay, well you know where, it, or it <laughs> could have been in the Burrow couch in the in the Oval Office because as you know, yes. Borough is so good that its couches could be in the Oval Office. And, you know, shopping experiences are not all equal, even if you're shopping for new furniture for the Oval Office. Retailers typically set the mood with and soul-killing pop music, and interspersed with a team of salesmen demanding to know if you need help with anything. It's not fun, and if I'm in the market for new furniture, blinding lights, and Taylor Swift don't help me imagine an enjoyable recline at home on my new sofa, which is why I'm so excited to remind you that our show is supported by Burrow. The furniture company that's designing smarter, simpler things for modern life at home. They built the company from the ground up to address the biggest frustrations with the furniture industry. And in four short years, their innovative furniture has won awards like Times 50 Best Inventions and a place in thousands of homes across the country. A modern shopping experience. Burrow got rid of the far-flung warehouse stores and high-pressure showrooms and replaced them with clean, easy-to-use websites where you get to create and customize your own furniture from your home. And it's furniture that actually fits your life from the modular designs that make it easy to move to the durable materials like stain-resistant fabric and pet-friendly rugs, Borough's in-house design team is focused on making your life easier. There's fast, free shipping on every order. Save an average of 100 bucks on a big item like a couch because every order, no matter how big or small, includes fast, free shipping. And there's world-class service and support. Borough customers write in every day to say how much they love talking to Sarah or Alex or Hattie or any of the other smart, responsive people on the Borough support team. They're there every step of the way from picking out a color to expanding your couch down the road. Right now, you can get 75 bucks off your first order at burrowcom slash glop. That's Burrow, dot wcom slash GLOP for 75 bucks off your purchase. Burrow.com slash GLOP. And our thanks to Burrow for sponsoring the GLOP podcast. Uh, Jonah, WandaVision, you've seen it, I've seen it. Rob hasn't seen it. Even though he works in television and we don't. Yeah, he should actually watch it. because Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff,
3: some of the homage to like the Dick Van Dyke show and Samantha is like yeah. really just technically really well done. And John, who's, who's uh, the, Catherine the Hahn plays, plays the
2: neighbor. Plays a kind of um, combination of uh, Ethel uh, from I Love Lucy and Mrs. Kravitz. She's some weird and 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 the reason that the show yeah. is so interesting is it is this pitch perfect, letter perfect recreation of the mood, look, and feel of certain '60s sitcoms with this weird underlay of. Um, Menace. What's it about? Can, wait, wait.
0: Can you? I'm asking this question hoping that there's an answer that isn't going to be longer than 15 seconds.
2: It will be okay. Two superheroes from Marvel uh, are mm-hmm. basically recast as stars of uh, of an early 60s sitcom. They are characters in an early 60s sitcom while being themselves, and at moments. They come to consciousness and realize that they are in a 60s sitcom and they don't know why. And the whole mystery of the show as it goes on is trying to explain what are they doing in this weird world, which in the first episode is the world of the Dick Van Dyke show, and in the second episode is the world of Bewitched. And I think in the third episode, mm-hmm. it's going to be the Brady Bunch or something like that. And it seems to be going forward in time from the early 60s to the late 60s to the 70s. And clearly, something is going on where they have been there either, they've either been mired in this sitcom existence or they have chosen to be in it but have given themselves amnesia, and we're going to try to find out. Right. So, so I have a question.
0: When I when, when I say 15 okay. seconds, John, <laughs> what do you hear? What do you, what do you hear? You're so, out? I was uh, out. I'm out already. I'm out. I'm out. I don't understand it. It doesn't it seem it – I'm,
2: I'm out.
3: That, but, okay, so part of the appeal is that it's kind of hard to understand. Six like, friends in
2: a coffee shop. I'm in. Okay. I get it.
3: Great, I love it. Time I, I mean, again, I don't think you should watch it purely for entertainment value. I think you should watch it just for the technical stuff that they do is really well done, and it's it's clearly I mean, like the last time we saw these characters in the movies, they died, and so the theory is is that they have somehow been either they're in some sort of limbo, or they're trapped someplace, or they're hiding someplace, and we don't know what this dimension thing is, but it's like it's like they're living in a computer simulation of something, and. Yeah. I'm not sure that's going to work. I'm not sure the payoff is going to be all that good at the end of this. But um, just the technical stuff and the acting is really impressive. I mean, I just got to say, I I can't say I found it hugely entertaining, but I found it really compelling. I guess is the way I would put it. That's all.
2: I uh, I I really liked it because they're 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 half an hour long. Um, they are it's. Weird and interesting, and unusual. Paul Bettany, who is one of the two stars, is a fantastic actor, who is doing forty things at once uh, in the, in the middle yeah. of this show. A uh, little hard to describe. But uh, Rob, do you remember in the early nineties, d- at the at the height of sort of Twin Peaks mania, when David Lynch could do no wrong, he did a he did a sitcom, right. except Twin when- Peaks. <laughs> on ABC, which was called Off the Air. And it was a sitcom about a television station where everything went wrong. And it was a bizarre show. It lasted six episodes. And it functioned as a kind of, as an early ultra meta thing where it was basically a kind of parody of sitcom tropes and bad slapstick and this show has a weird quality like that like it's as though as though bewitched merged with twin peaks and not like twin peaks now but to, not twin peaks of 1991 but the twin peaks return this show reminds you of another show that doesn't work <laughs> it works though because it it works because it is uh uh-huh. it is Interesting and unusual, and fast and short uh-huh. is what I would say. It, right, like, like,
3: <laughs> like what you try to get from your from functional medicine guy.
0: Exactly, he was going to say. It's like, there, there's like, that's the goal. Of,
2: okay. Uh, anyway, like uh, yeah. So Catherine Hahn's in it. Uh, Fred <laughs> Melamed, who was one of the great character actors that no one. Once you see him, you'll know who he is. He sort of plays like Larry Tate, a version of. Or like, you know, the grumpy boss, Paul Ford, like one of those figures of the early oh, Carl
3: cool. Reiner, I thought. Oh, right, you know, right, he's, like, he's Alan, ba-
2: yeah, like Alan Brady. Anyway, um, uh, and it is just beautiful to look at. So, uh, that's on Disney Plus. Give it a shot. If you find it boring, you don't like it, that's fine. You know, just because Rob's in television doesn't mean he should have to watch stuff like this. Yeah, here's how I feel about the t- TV
0: product. Yeah. I don't I don't, I think it, I don't want to have the ledge. <laughs> And this show sounds like the lead.
2: Uh, So, okay, but Rob, you, you, you because you're a fancy pants guy uh, (laughs) who reads books in in, uh, en francais, you, I believe, are a big fan of a new, of a hot new Netflix show, en francais. En francais,
0: the hottest Netflix show. It is the number one Netflix show. It's a worldwide phenomenon. It's called Lupin. It's based, it's not based, it takes as an inspiration these old uh, French um, uh, classic detective, not really detective novels, like the jewel heist novels. Arsene Lupin was called the gentleman thief, and and this is like the 10s and 20s. And uh, he would, uh, you know, steal your jewels in Monte Carlo, but he was so elegant and fun, and they would do dance, and then you'd think, is that, and he was chased by a hapless uh, inspector. He said, that must be Arsene Lupin. Saying, no, it can't be that. Is that what the,
3: the French dude in Oceans Twelve was like.
0: An yes, a little dude? bit. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. The, uh, okay. the the gentleman thief. Uh, there was another great uh, yeah. French character called Fantomas, who was like the bad version of that. Like, whoa, no. On the other hand, he could be evil, and Fantomas is generally evil. So Arsene Lupin. So this is a story, very, very uh, kind of a reimagined, updating, reinvigorated idea of Arsene Lupin, who is the son of a, I think Senegalese. A chauffeur who is wrongly accused, we think, of stealing jewels and um, and then goes to prison and then hangs himself. And so it starts – it's interesting. Also, part of new TV is that the, the TV rating for this show is rated M.A. Um, uh, violence, suicide, smoking. Those are the three things in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Big, big, big one and uh, and it's great And it's just a, it's an incredibly interesting fun Tale and it's told really well and it seems very Very modern and the guy playing it is Is a weird name and he's, a, he's sort of A French movie star now because he was in a, sh- a movie I keep forgetting what It was called um, It, was, it was, great. One that and, was
2: remade with Brian Cranston And yes, Kevin Hart yes, Right uh, so- It was uh, anyway it was a movie about a, it a, a guy who is the who is the aide To somebody who is a paraplegic Right right Uh, And I can't remember, like, it made $500 million in France and two cents here, and then they remade it in America with Brian Cran and it made $200 million here. And I can't remember the title of it, and no one saw it, but somehow it made $200 million.
3: Yeah. So you know how Edgar Allan Poe said that the most beautiful word in the English language was cellar door, which is actually two words, which, you know, whatever. I got to say, Senegalese Senegalese chauffeur. There's a euphony there that I just—it's—it's uh, going to linger with me. I mean, I'm going to—it's—it's almost—it was it, as auditory cheesecake. Yeah. It—it it, kind of landed on the shelf, and I'm going to. It, it also like yeah, it that can, movie, can, by the oh, way, it was like,
2: called is called Intouchables. The, the Intouchables, right? Right, Intouchables. and it was called The Upside in in okay. English with Brian Cranston.
0: But I think the setting Lee show first sounds great because you could say it works. Like, let me tell you something. Last night. I went out to this restaurant. I had the best Senegalese chauffeur.
2: <laughs> that's Which, what army has. That's army that has. Oh, yeah, or like uh,
0: <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I'm not a fan of dance. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't go to dance. But this dancer last night danced the most extraordinary Senegalese chauffeur. chauffeur. She, I didn't even think yeah. she could or. do it, but she's one of the very few people who could do a Senegalese chauffeur. Some people say I'm a virtuoso
3: in bed. I don't know about that, but I'll tell you, I've given a lot of Senegalese chauffeurs and I've never gotten a complaint. <laughs>
2: or, or, you know, people say a lot of crap about me, but at least I'm no Senegalese chauffeur. Hmm. I mean, you can go that way. Yeah, good. I don't, yeah. No? Yeah. But it's, 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 it's so more like fun. I've been taking.
0: Everything my gastroenterologist tells me to, the pills, the thi- everything, and the fiber, all of it, and I can tell you that every morning, Santa Lisafer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh,
2: so, uh, <laughs> you know what? Two weeks from now, we will we will speak even less about Donald Trump than we did uh, this this time. It, we truly yeah, he's
3: going to be well, on the ledge for a long time if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. yeah he's going
0: to be on the ledge he's on the ledge see you guys.
2: wait that's it i just you, you yeah, like well, hold, hold on hold on hold uh, on so what um so what uh, uh, restroom <laughs> 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 you'll be <laughs> <resting> on, <laughs> what can they find you in jonah what's on your, your ledge <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Uh, I got, I, you know, I, 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 Fox has, um, sees it in their interest to pay me, but not to put me on TV. So I, uh, I got, I got nothing along those lines. There's some interesting, fun announcements coming for the dispatch in the weeks and months ahead. So stay tuned. But, uh, I got nothing.
2: I got nothing. I got uh, I got nothing. Uh, MSNBC doesn't really pay me, uh, but it has exclusive rights to me and then it doesn't put me on the air. So I'm like you except without the money. <laughs> uh. So that's uh that's that's great. You're, that's, you're the Senegalese chauffeur in this situation. I, I, yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> and well uh, I to also- report that uh the beginning of next month I'm bringing martini shot back. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh also on a website called martinishotpodcast.com. I spent a lot of time on oh, I hired a branding agency for that. Um <laughs> and uh and I'm excited to be doing them again.
3: So you- Oh, I do have one I I do have one thing to announce. Um uh Jack Butler, my former emuensis, oh, yeah. uh, One time ombudsman for our Glop Live things. I had him on the three hundredth episode of The Remnant, which should be dropping tomorrow,
1: I think, or something like that.
3: And uh who can't? it's for a very se- <laughs> it's for a very selective audience of people who really care passionately about a bunch of in jokes from an obscure podcast. But uh, there you have it.
2: Jack Butler.
0: Now, will Jack be working uh, with with uh, Don Junior or Eric or both <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> coming out? Next career move. I, I, he he so apparently is very back happy. In some form.
2: That, is that, what, that what you're so They'll be back in some form. Some, some form. form. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a, a three headed dragon. Yeah, and <laughs> Monster <laughs> Zero. Um, so Rob if Martini shot that'll be again like three four minutes. Or is it long? Are you doing longer?
0: Well, I don't have to do it. It was four minutes always before, and now it can be a little shorter, it can be a little longer. I don't have to hit four minutes, so it's, it ends up like everything else being a little bit longer, but not much longer than four, four and a half, five minutes. That's that's it's a that's about as long as I can sustain any single idea. And may and
3: all, when, you, when you eat the right yogurt. That's all time you need. Yeah,
2: yeah and, and you're in your in, you out. And may all advertisers fixated on poop sponsor the martini shop I, I would be i would be honored i know i you would i mean you know yes i'd be honored to have any any advertising. <laughs> i'm not expecting that many yes. okay well here we go so i i have now put out a call to the universe as, as it were if you are a if you if your product involves poop rob you know where, you know where to come you know where podcast is your you got my number yeah yes right. <laughs> okay, well, I I I I ended this prematurely before, um, sort of like Danny Thomas. So I will um, I, I will bring this to an end again. Thanks to you guys in a couple of weeks. It's been on the ledge; time to pull
3: the chain. See you next. See you in a couple of weeks, fellas. Googling Danny Thomas coffee table poop
0: See what happens. Uh, okay, let's, let's end this now. <laughs> <There they are>. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Twilight time out of the mist your voice is calling Tis twilight time when birth will conquer the end of day I'll hear you my dear at twilight time Deepening shadows gather splendor as day is done. The night will soon surrender The setting sun I've got the moments, darling Till you're here with me Together At last at twilight time Deep In the afterglow of day We keep our rendezvous. And same away, I fall in love again as I did then. Deep in the dark, your kiss will thrill me like days of old. Time. Together, at last, time.
3: Ricochet, join the conversation, and I'll read you the exchange. Kent says, "All right, does anyone have a question for our panel that's not about how much money they make?" All the hands in the audience go down. And then Lenny, you know, one of the guys from the bar, stands up and says, uh, yeah, I'm a techno thriller junkie. And I'd like to know, is the B-2 bomber more detectable when it rains? And Kent goes, oh, what do you think, Tom Clancy? And Clancy says, well, the B-2. And then Lenny cuts him off and says, no, no, no. I was asking Maya Angelou. And then Angelou says, the ebony fighter awakens. Dabbled with the dewy beads of morn. It is a mock five child forever bound to suckle from the shriveled breast of Congress. And then Lenny says, Oh, Maya, you're a national treasure.